Alright, so, <laughs> hello everybody, our 100 or so listeners, um, we're <laughs> back after a long time because we're all busy people and none of us know what the fuck we're doing. Um, and this thing just got abandoned in a dumpster fire for about a year plus. We're busy college students, never, that's my best excuse. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> To get introductions out of the way, I'm Jacob, and I am co-hosting with... And I'm Keith, and you can call us Keith, and... I'm Carolyn. I'm the prettiest one. Objectively correct. Um, yes, yeah, so Keith, this was your topic, so what are we discussing today? Alright, today we are discussing... Well, in general, first we're going to be discussing Air IT, since Congress is trying to push that one through Congress, and then we'll move more towards a general privacy discussion as, whenever we get bored of that topic. Alright. Um, so, I, of course, am a good host who always does research beforehand, but for... The uninformed listener, what is IT and how does it affect our day-to-day lives? Keep our go. Right, I'll continue on then. Uh, IT is a bill, again, going through Congress at the current moment for eliminating abusive and rampant neglect of inter- interactive technologies. And that's IT. Basically, the idea behind it is to try and prevent... Uh, what was it? So it's basically... Issues with child children online, very much in the illegal sense. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and we'll just say this bill has a couple issues that the EFF has found, and I also tend to agree with. But when you guys like to extrapolate on like what some of those issues might be and what the EFF is, I, I can do that. Sure, um, go for it. Um. Basically, this bill like establishes this national commission um, on online child sexual exploitation prevention. Um, and this commission is supposed to recommend like what is called like best practices for um, for companies that um, offer like online services. And um, sort of issue with that is that these. The company, if they don't adhere to these best practices, they can basically be held liable for any of the material on their site. So if there's you know, something bad and illegal on their site and they didn't adhere to these best practices, they can be held liable. So essentially this bill is attempting to force them into these best practices. The problem is this is like a, we don't really know what these best practices are going to be. And this is like a appointed commission, and don't really know. The commission have the bill right in front of me at the current moment, at least the draft of the version that's trying to get through Congress. Uh, it's a fifth. It's gonna be a fifteen-person commission. Three people are automatically on it. That would be the attorney general, or a representative, or his or her representative, Homeland Security, Secretary of Homeland Security, or a representative. Appointed by them, appointed by them. That's basically the just for these freeze, and then the FCC chairman. The other twelve are appointed by various portions of Congress. The really fun bit about those two, about those twelve, is that only two have to have experience in computer software, in computer science, or software engineering. 
and this commission is recommending best practices to technology companies with only two people who might know who might know what they're talking about at least on a very minute detail yeah most, so, sorry i interrupted most of the other ones are focusing internet crime experience through various different areas but that doesn't that gives them a good idea on how it's you know, on enforcement, but actually the reason why some of these protocols are in place are probably not that important to them, as opposed to somebody with computer science or software engineering backgrounds. Yeah, so looking at some of the mission statements of like protecting, it, it seems the indicators the, the of this bill or what they're trying to do is protect... Um, children and kind of remove content that would be harmful to children um, and stuff along those lines. And do we have any idea of like how they might remove this harmful content or what these practices might be? Or is it like from what I can see, it's mostly just vague statements of this is what we intend to do without any real specifics as to how they're going to do that the commission is doing whether or not the best thing what the best practices end up being we don't know until this might until this gets passed and they actually do something on do something about that the main point of contention of this bill is that the is that in order for the best practices to get passed First, they need at least 10, 10 members of the commission, I think. One moment as I try to find that. Commission may only recommend the best practice under blah, 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 if not fewer than 10 members of the commission support the best practice. But then it goes off into the attorney general, not the FCC chairman who might understand some of these things, but the attorney general to review and modify, if necessary, the recommended best practices and publish a final version, blah, blah, blah. If the Attorney General does decide to make modifications, he has to basically explain why he made the why he made those uh, changes and how that's supported by the Commission's goal. Which, given, given our current Attorney General, he is most certainly going to try and prevent encryption. He is most certainly going to say you can't use encryption. Who's our most current attorney general? Uh, that would be Barr, if memory serves. B-A-R-R? Yeah, 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 right. Yes. Um, I looked it, up, looked it up last night, and yeah, he definitely does not like encryption. So, Carolyn, do you know, like, so if, some, if a website doesn't adhere by these best practices, like, what can happen to them? Like this modifies an earlier um, modifies the Communications Decency Act, which um, gives companies immunity, basically from like like liability protection from being from um, civil recourse if like somebody you know if something if there's some sort of negative like child sexual abuse material on this service, this is basically saying like okay. This company didn't know what was on their service. They're not responsible. But the losing that, like not adhering to the best practices in this, if this bill is passed, would mean that they'd lose that liability protection. Like, hence, like the earn it. They have to earn their liability protection. 
Okay, so it's on the hosting platform to kind of self-regulate. Otherwise, everyone's at fault rather than just the individual who is posting the harmful content. Yeah. Yeah, the general idea is for them to adhere to the best practices set forth by set forth by the commission, and then they're immune from people deciding to upload uh, child porn, child porn for a lack of a better term, onto their platform. Think of it like Google Drive. If somebody uploads child porn onto Google Drive, Google is not liable for that content, but they will most certainly remove it and comply and comply with agencies in order to try and find out who did it that if they don't adhere to the best practices they now become liable for that for that bit of child porn yeah basically the easiest way to put it it's like a huge it's a huge risk for a company to take so like no company's gonna no company's not gonna gonna not take this best practices because they're not gonna put themselves at risk like that so for like everyday users like you and me what might this mean about our ability to you know just create things in a digital world what can and can't we do now obviously i don't think any of us are going to be doing anything as horrific as child porn but like um you know how might it impact the individual because obviously this is going to mean well this might mean that hosting platforms become a lot stricter and you know, so where what is that line of harmful to children and like how do we take that vague idea and you know make it into something concrete that we can all work with? You wanna take that one or you want me to leave? I talk about this. So I think like the big error is like like this end to end encryption, like losing this protection puts you at risk not only from like privacy violations from the government, but also from criminals, from like abusers and stalkers. Like losing encryption is like encryption is kind of a big deal. It's like I don't I don't know much about it on the technical side of it, but I do know that like internet privacy is extremely important and it keeps people safe. And like, you know, I I work in sexual violence prevention. Like I, I understand like the intent, like why someone might want to push forward this bill, but I also think that there could actually be harmful con consequences for people who are, um, you know, for people who might be victims of crime as well. It's basically the general gist of it. The main concern is the amount of power that the attorney general is granted in this bill. He's basically, he's allowed to essentially do whatever so long as he can justify it, which encryption as a whole makes his job a lot harder in many different ways because it scrambles up messages so that only two parties can read them. Mm -hmm. That's the general idea behind encryption. All of a sudden, if the FBI wants to read somebody's internet traffic, they have to subpoena the business or get some or set something up somewhere on their, on the suspect's computer, which might just get wiped the next day. So there's an understandable there's an understandable side to bars a push for removal of encryption, but if it actually does get implemented, it has a wide impact across the entire internet. Just to put it lightly. So if this bill was worded a little bit more specifically to like 
rather than using vague terms like best practices and harmful content, if it was directly targeted at specific things, do you think it would be less of an issue going forward? Um, It depends on what they put into the bill. If it's focused more on providers trying to track child porn going across their name and going across their site, okay, that's fine. But what they're trying to preempt here is technology evolves at a rapid rate and bills take months minimum in order to actually get onto Congress. So they're trying to get something a bit quicker set up. So that's that's understandable from that point. But again, the, the amount of power that the Attorney General has is ridiculous. And he is our current attorney general is most certainly going to go yeah you can't use encryption of any type because well we can't track uh child porn going across you know, going across somebody's uh somebody's network so they're kind of from what it seems is kind of taking a sledgehammer approach to putting in a thumbtack of like this is a very specific issue that we're trying to solve. Um, and the best solution that we came up with was just removing encryption from all services. That way we can constantly monitor it. The bill itself does not have that, but the Attorney General, who once again can just go, yeah, you, this is the best practice now, and this is the reason why, he has that power to do that, is the main concern. So... So the open-endedness of the best practices is kind of the concern here. The fact that, in theory, one of the best practices could just be no more encryption, and if you don't comply by that, you get hit with a financial, you know... You become responsible for the child porn on your service. Yeah. And then you get hit with a bunch of legal things. That just yeah, that's the that's the main point of contention of just best practices is very unfocused. They can pretty much come up with whatever. Plus, also only again two people are computer science actually have to have experience in computer science or software engineering on the commission. Which, considering that it's affecting an entire industry, that probably should have a couple more people with that background in there. Just pointing that out. Another thing I just want to point out is that, you know, maybe this bill might not say anything about encryption directly, but the people who have pushed this bill forward definitely have made their positions very clear. And, um, you know, I think it's pretty clear to see what the intent is behind this, even if it doesn't explicitly state anything. It's giving them that power, and they've already made their positions clear. So if end-to-end encryption was removed, which it looks likely that might be something that this bill would want to leverage power for, what kind of things could the government or other people, you know, even in the private sector, then do with that? Well, it depends, really depends really on how far they push the encryption angle. If it's end-to-end, then some end-to-end encryption is basically set up in such a way so that even if I send a message through a third party that then gets routed off onto the original the recipient that I wanted them to, that I wanted to receive, who I wanted to receive that message. The third party could not read that message. That's end-to-end encryption. 
regular encryption is your message is scrambled when you ever send information over to Amazon or Google or whatever. Just thought I'd make that clear before I get too, too far into it, since they have two very different impacts. End-to-end encryption would be more of a freedom of speech issue in the case that governments decide, oh yeah, we are a goal of signal for a current moment since they're an end-to-end encryption messaging protocol. If, they, if the government forces Signal to hand over what they, what they have for the message logs, since they can read them now, then the government can use that for basically whatever they want, including censoring speech and the, and the usual slew of things that could be issues. Private industries... Even more, even more of your information is going to be sold. Surprise, surprise. But in the case that encryption as a whole gets banned, that's that's going to cause massive, massive, massive issues. So, just to put in not so technical terms, I want to see if I'm understanding this correctly. So, end-to-end encryption is kind of like our current mail system, where you seal a letter. It is illegal to open that letter until unless you are the person intended to receive the letter where not like removing that end-to-end encryption kind of instead of mailing somebody a letter like walking through time town with like a billboard carrying a billboard with the message that you want to send where you know people don't have to look at it but they certainly it's much easier to Uh, the letter analogy is good is a good one since if I send a letter through the post office, they're the third party. I don't... They, the only thing that they do is that they move the mail to the recipient. In the case of sealed envelope, in the case of... To put this in terms of the mail system as you put... As the analogy that you made, would be basically allowing the U.S. post office to open up your letter and then check, make sure you're not sending anything nefarious, put everything back into, you know, make it look all nice and secure, and then continue moving it down the supply chain. But, like, currently it is unlawful to open another's mail, even for government officials to do that, unless you're, like, being blatantly obvious that, you know, something's up. Yes, that is illegal with, in the post office, I was just trying to further your analogy for into an encryption and what would happen if it was removed. Yeah, so my question then is, if it's illegal to open another person's letter, why would, like, why is it okay for the government to want to end end-to-end encryption if those things are pretty one-to-one in, like, the privacy of your speech and the things that you're sending? Um, good question. Yeah, this is more of like a hypothetical, like, what are some of the arguments for this? Like, why is a physical letter more sacred than a text message? Hmm. That one's a good question, and I would have to pick the brains of some politician in order to figure that one out. Uh, my guess would probably be majority of the platform. It Just the ease of distribution online is massively enables stuff like distribution of child pornography. So that becomes a higher target to try and prevent child exploitation. 
versus male. That's uh, that's also that's a bit harder in order to mass distribute. But if you're trying to prevent the bad thing, in this case, it seems to be, you know, the child pornography. Wouldn't it be more effective to see where it was hosted? And you know, I I okay, I am less versed than I would like to be. But would it be possible to then try and like backtrace where it was posted from? Oh, okay, like, then you know. The main issue, with, the main concern with end-to-end -end encryption is that I assume, let's say, I send a message to you. That goes through, let's say, we'll say Google for the current moment. They don't offer that service, but we'll say Google. If the message is encrypted end-to-end, -end, Google cannot read that message. Nobody can, only I and you can. Nobody else. In regular encryption terms, I would send an encrypted message to Google. Google would then de-encrypt it and then probably take a log of it and then move it down the pipeline and then re-encrypt it, send it off to you. If that I, makes sense. My point more was like, if the goal is to stop child pornography, why are we attacking the platforms and not the individuals who, you know, Hold the harmful content and distribute the harmful content. I think that's an excellent question, and I sort of, as someone who like works in sexual violence prevention, I have a lot of opinions on like. Basically, I think, you know, I, I have a lot of opinions on how we should really be attacking root causes, and I think there's definitely a place for enforcement and law enforcement in sexual violence prevention, but in the end, it's not going to do a lot of preventing. So, Carolyn, you, you've had some experience in this field. You know, the digital world is pretty complex. You know, I spend a lot of time using computers, but even I don't have a grasp on it as much as I would like. How might you, with someone who has more experience in this field, go about attacking this problem of harmful uh, content on media platforms for children? How might you, you know, tackle this problem better? Obviously, you're not like a tech expert, you know, we're college students, but you definitely have more experience than Keith or I, so what, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, I'll admit that, like, these are just, like, total, like, I, I haven't done enough research on this to really be sure what I'm saying, but I think my ideas would come more around to, less around to, like, you know, just knowing the content of each individual message and more about how can we like stop those messages even from being sent you know, we can like i would take a more social um so like sociological approach to this like i i don't know enough about the technology to really tell you like how to deal with the technology aspect of it but like how do we prevent these materials from being made how do we um help children be able to um basically feel you know be safe and properly report and know how to um and know how to like deal with these issues or deal with adults who make them feel unsafe like that's more the issue that's more the realm that i know and i know that there's there's definitely room for attacking this from a technological perspective but i don't have enough expertise that yeah this is a bit of a a to a battle with two fronts, you know, 
how do we stop this content from being made to begin with on the human side and then on the tech side once unfortunately once it is made how do we keep it from being distributed and this bill really looks to attack you know that second front of how do we keep it from being distributed but this seems to also just have a lot of kind of collateral damage in that you know there are there's a lot of room for hurting the freedom of speech and the privacy of individuals um and this is kind of coming from a place of saying that taking the goal of you know keeping child exploitation like child exploitation prevention kind of taking that argument in good faith and we've also kind of pointed out that that argument may not be in the best of faith so yeah that's a fair point like i i'd say i'd have my doubts about whether the child sexual abuse material is really the primary motivator for this bill like i want to believe it is i really do but i and i'm sure it partially is but at the same time like you know i i think that whoever you know the people who pose this bill were probably very well aware of these effects and they decided that they either they decided that they want these effects or that these effects weren't negative enough to warrant warrant a bit of a rewrite yeah 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 the 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 side effects of this bill aren't a bug they're a feature yeah and the even more interesting aspect of this is what are they who are you trying to target in the first place i know they're trying to target like big tech companies and so forth but even then there's way there are ways to get around big tech companies i.e we'll go with tor tor is a protocol not a service provider so they're immune to this what happens if somebody decides to set up a site on the Tor network that doesn't adhere to the best practices? They gotta eventually find them, and then they have, yeah, you're in violation of the best practices, plus you're distributing child porn. But at the same time, if you found them, why would you need the best practices in the first place? That just seems like an unnecessary step somewhere. I, I, you're you're gonna hate me for asking this question, but I kind of want to like devil's advocate a little bit, like just to flesh out this more. Like I know a lot of people. I've heard this argument from like I, I don't agree with this argument, but I've heard this argument from people a lot. That's like basically like why should I be concerned about my privacy, my internet privacy? I have nothing to hide. What would you say in response to that? <laughs> oh man. So I mean, was, you sorry. go right ahead, Jacob. No, um, I mean, like, I don't want to, like, do the slippery slope argument, but every time you, you know, remove that barrier and you breach privacy a little bit more, it just gets easier and easier and easier. And yeah, for, for people who have nothing to hide, it's fine. But also, I don't want there's some kind of safety knowing that like the letters I send or the text that I send only myself and the recipient hopefully are reading them and like even if like everything is encrypted or, or unencrypted like 
sure, the government can then, you know, have all this information to prevent whatever, anything, but that can be misinterpreted. Um, without the context, it becomes very easy to, like, just cherry-pick things that you want and make a case um, against someone or something without the full context. It can... Uh, Hold on, let me collect my thoughts, Keith. You, you take this one. Alright, well, in response to Carolyn's, the... In response to Carolyn's question, main reason why you should care about your digital privacy is, well, it's being sold online. It's sold online to the nth degree to begin with. Google knows about more about you than your own mother does to begin with. Which is, depending on who you are, very, very scary. Plus... It's just more of a aspect on the freedom of ensuring freedom of speech. Less about, yeah, I don't have anything to hide, but in the case that somebody then wants to go through, go through and then try to, let's say in the government, try to take things out of context, as Jacob pointed out, that becomes a lot easier for them in the case that you had no digital privacy whatsoever. I think those are like both very fair points and I must say like I think I originally held that kind of view that like I had nothing to hide but over time I've I've come to realize that like the you know, it's it's more than just this practical impact it's also like there's a there's principle involved there's you know I know you said you didn't want to do the slippery slope argument Jacob but like I think it there is some merit to it and I think also I don't believe in blindly trusting the government. I think the government requires accountability, and I think giving it power that it doesn't need is like just a way to erode our own freedoms. I I totally agree, and I like the the point that I was stumbling to make, and then Keith brought up is that like even if the government, like, relaxes these privacies we have, I'm not even sure if, like, the government is the thing that I'm most worried about uh, having this data. Um, you know, the government, at least in some cases, maybe sometimes has, you know, its citizens' best interest at heart, where a private company will always have that company's best interest at heart. So I am more scared of what a company would do with that data if it's easier to get than what the government might do with it. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think that you know, having data is not just a matter of, you know, they could put your privacy at risk, they're selling this. Okay, now these companies know a ton of things about you. Like that can put you in danger. Like I, I've dealt with cases where I've seen like people, basically there, there are some online services essentially where you can, purchase information about people. And I've seen cases where stalkers have used those services to target victims. And, you know, there's there's a lot of potential to put people at risk, um, you know, from companies, from individuals who use, utilize those companies, from the government, from other governments, like, Privacy is a matter of safety as well. 
When you bring that up, that sounds like the entire idea of, yeah, what's preventing, let's say, no encryption whatsoever is flawed at its core. Alright, interesting. These are these have all been really interesting points, and uh, I'm trying to think. Anything else that I would want to touch upon for this topic? If you guys have anything else that you want to say, you know, be my guest. Um, I'll just say something about, like, just this idea of privacy and safety in general. Like, I don't think this doesn't just apply in, like, a large scale to governments. I think this is, a, like, a lesson you can take to even, like, like parent-child relationships. I, like, dealt with, like, parents saying, like, oh, like, I protect my child, but, like, I monitor this and that activity. I do this, I do that, I watch them, I have devices in their car, like, you know, stuff that seems not only really overbearing to, like, a teenager who's trying to, like, live their life, but also puts people at risk, because these tools that, like, these parents think they're using to protect their child, and maybe some parents are, can also be used by abusive parents, abusive partners, they can put, like, LGBT children at risk who are in the closet and need to stay that way for their safety. They can, you know, essentially, this idea that, you know, this idea of privacy versus security, I think, is kind of false because I think there, I think that doesn't consider all the aspects. I don't, I don't think that, like, lack of privacy means suddenly you're going to be super secure. I just, I don't think it works that way. Yeah, a lot of the time, our privacy actually, you know, as you mentioned, makes us more safe in the idea that, you know, people who would look to use that lack of privacy in a malicious way, um, it, like, it's a lot easier for them if there are more lax regulations on stuff like that. And I don't know the numbers of, like, accounts of people using online resources to stalk or harass individuals versus, you know, the amount of harmful content that would be removed if this bill was put in place. Um, I'm not going to, I can't make any conjectures as to like what that trade-off might be because I just, I do not know, but that is also something to think about, like for every case of, you know, someone posting harmful content online that you prevent with this bill you know how many other cases are like people with malicious intent how much more power are you giving them with the laxer security that this has or privacy that this bill might not guarantee but probably will at some point given the the demographics of the people who are pushing this bill forward um I think it feels to me like we're wrapping up here. Yeah, at least on the UNIT side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that we've, we've made our points. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that if you guys are ready to wrap up. Say like a goodbye message to our lovely viewers. We're back. Hopefully, we'll continue doing stuff. <laughs> Hopefully, this doesn't die in a abandoned dumpster spire for the one episode every year. Let's go. <laughs> no, um, oh, yeah. So, with the whole social distancing, self quarantine, 
hopefully that means we'll have more time in our schedule um, to do stuff like this. And, you know, all this time alone will give us more time to think of topics to wax lyrical about. And... Yeah, more time to get angry. Ooh, but anything. Cool. <laughs> I think this concludes our contemplative piece on the earn IT or earn it bill and some of the dangers that it may pose if it's passed through Congress and um, you know some of the arguments for and against it and kind of how that this is an issue of not just tech but also people so you know, thanks everyone for listening if you made it this far um, yeah just uh, one thing uh, we did mention the we did mention EFF at the beginning of the episode and then totally forgot to explain who they were the uh, EFF is the Electronic Frontier Foundation. They're mainly focused around digital rights, be it through DRM, bills like these. They're on a whole range of different issues that they talked about. Excellent. So if somebody wanted more information on these topics, EFF would probably be a good place to look. Yep. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you for that explanation, Keith. I completely forgot about that as well. So. That's only about, oh, I don't know, 30 minutes late or something like that? <laughs> well, we know that everybody listens to you after well, end of now every that, episode. Now they're forced to watch all of it. <laughs> like, I gotta or they could just Google the free is. letters. Uh, EFF. Oh, that's who they are. Okay. Yeah, uh. so thank you very much to our listeners. Thank you very much for still paying attention. Uh, We'll do our best to continue to keep this going forward. Hopefully we don't let it die in a ditch again. Um, but to the one person that Anchor FM estimates is our audience size, hi! <laughs> <laughs> that, that's about it. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.